This is NLPS Ed Talks, a podcast brought to you by Nanaimo Ladysmith Public Schools. I'm Dale Burgos, the Executive Director of Communications, and I'll be sharing conversations with students, staff, and friends of the district. We'll learn, we'll laugh, we may cry, but most importantly, we'll share the unique stories of individuals that work and play in our school system. Nanaimo Ladysmith Public Schools is one of many school districts in British Columbia, Canada, and is centrally located in one of the most beautiful places in the world, Vancouver Island. Thanks for joining us. Uh, first off, I'd like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional and unceded territory of this Nanaimo people. Uh, very happy to have an Academy Award winner in the <laughs> podcast booth today. Right? Academy Award winner? Is no, that right? No, no, no. <laughs> No, not Academy. <laughs> but an award winner um, in, in his own right here, uh, Chad Job. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm not kidding about the award winner piece because um, be, because you are an award winner. And we'll get that, to that a little, little bit. Let's, okay. I just wanted to tease it at the beginning, okay. right? Don't get people excited about <laughs> it so they could stick around and, and listen to uh, listen to the rest of this. Uh, so Chad, is that short for Chadwick or Chattles? No, I'm, or? Just, I'm straight up Chad. <laughs> straight yeah. up Chad. Uh, and that's how you're known around here, straight up Chad. That's right. <laughs> I love it, Chad. Uh, well, again, thank you so much for being here. I um, I am very excited to have you on the NLPS podcast, uh, Ed Talks podcast, because I mean you you do a lot of great things in in the district, um, as do many of your cohorts, and uh, you in particular. I had uh, gone back. This goes back to maybe a few years ago now, when you were mm-hmm. still at Rutherford Elementary, right? And uh, I, I get these emails from this Chad Job. I'm like, what is? <laughs> why does he keep emailing me for yeah. one, uh, and telling me about all these awesome things that are happening at the school and so I had uh, I think maybe the one of the first times I'd met you I think is when I had gone down to the school and it was for the uh, the trace trailer, I think, is maybe that's right. Yeah, we were the working first with a time. group of kids. Yeah, and yeah. so the trace trailer is a fantastic um, learning opportunity. If if nobody knows what that is, uh, we we um, well, not I, I don't say we, but CTC mm-hmm. had uh, bought this trailer, filled it with a bunch of tools that were sponsored by uh, these big name companies, uh, filled it filled it in, and then they just traveled to the schools and yeah, kids get to try it out. Right? Yeah. I think they were building birdhouses or something. Yeah, I think we were the we were their maiden voyage. We were the first oh, group really? for them to try. And then um, the class that I had, my grade sevens, actually were big buddies to to junior kids. And so, yeah, all the kids got to get out and hammer and nail and cut. And it was just, yeah, amazing day. Anytime you get kids learning with their hands and their minds and working cooperatively, yeah, it was, it was outstanding. Interesting. Uh, I, I wonder why you were the first school. And I think I know now because Rob Gowan Smith, didn't his kid go to that school? He, yes, he did <laughs> go to that school. And, so there was yeah. an in. Yeah, and Rob and I had known each other from uh, previous encounters when I had worked in alternate, and so he knew that, you know, I had a, a high tolerance and patience level for, you know, risk-taking, and so it was just a, yeah, wonderful, wonderful opportunity, and we went on to do lots of other activities after that one, including the BC Skills Competition. Um, you know, we've we've done a lot of different um, hands-on activities with different groups of kids and last time we worked together was at the spaghetti bridge challenge over in um, in Abbotsford and it was a uh, yeah we went over there and, and competed with the best kids in the province building bridges and Very cool. had a blast again yeah uh, thanks for sharing that chat I appreciate that now uh, I always like to start uh, talking about the past right and and get my guests guests into the podcast booth here and get to know where they came from so first off where were you born and, and how was little Chad what was little Chad's childhood looking like yeah I was I was born in Mission BC and um, to young parents um, my parents uh, you know struggled to stay together and, and separated and my mom uh, met another man a couple years later 
and he was kind of a transient guy. Uh, they took me up to Alaska. My wow. dad worked as an avalanche patrol officer up there. And, you know, I was, I think, the only kid that was growing up in, um, in Stewart. I, there was very few children <laughs> up there. Okay. And my stepdad was, uh, was an avalanche patrolman, so he had this pickup truck. He'd go around with a cannon in the back and explode the avalanches to keep no the roads way. open. Yeah, it was I've fantastic. I've seen people on TV doing that. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would move quite a bit because my dad, uh, he became a truck driver and, you know, he eventually ended up as an ice road trucker. Mm. Uh, but my mom and dad struggled with different things. Uh, you know, there was some addiction issues there. It wasn't always stable. Um, and I ended up, uh, on three separate occasions, uh, moving in with my grandparents and, you know, the heaven has a special place for grandparents out there in the mm. world. I know I, I work with kids now whose grandmas and grandpas take great care of them. And, you know, I was really fortunate to have, uh, a loving, caring set of grandparents that would um, open their door to me and walk me, treat me like their own. Um, yeah. And then my father, who was in Vancouver, uh, you know, he also experienced some addiction issues, uh, but overcame them and, and went on to to start uh, one of the first needle exchange programs in North America and uh, overcame his addiction issues and started the Downtown Eastside Youth Activity Society. Um, John Turvey and you know I became um, close with him in my teens and uh, you know he had a fundamental informative impact on kind of shaping my sense of social agency uh, you know unfortunately um, for me all my parents have passed away um, but I, I remember them uh, not with resentment or any issues around that but actually as just being um, people that shape my worldview Wow, and so yeah, I bring that, I bring that worldview to the table when I'm working with kids and families that have complex natures. Um, you know, they they are just as important as the child. Uh, you know, we're starting to realize that that you know you're working with the whole family, not just with the kid. And mm -hmm. and you know, and I can really appreciate that. I was uh, I was a super complicated kid um, back in school. I had some, you know, pretty complex learning issues. Uh, you know, I couldn't read very well, and I was pretty hyper. Uh, I, I was at Belvedere Elementary in Northeast Edmonton, and and the school decided that I needed some support, so they actually had me work in the office with a wonderful lady named uh, Mrs. Hildebrandt, and she spent two years working with me, uh, teaching me how to read. And so okay. I'd go down to the office every day, and I'd sit with Mrs. Hildebrandt, and she wasn't a reading specialist or anything. She was just a, just a staff member. I think she was an office, uh, office assistant. Hmm. And over those two years period, she just absolutely changed my, my life, uh, invested the time, and helped me overcome you know, some of my issues. And I learned how to trust in the system. And um, you know, it doesn't mean that I was an angel after that. I still struggled in school, and you know, I had conflicts and, you know, ended up getting suspended a couple times for skipping out and doing all those sorts of crazy things. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, those experiences of young Chad led me to uh, become, you know, kind of the teacher and the person I am today, for sure. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's, um, I mean, that's deeply personal and, and I appreciate you sitting down here with me and, and sharing that, that, that does mean a lot. And, and it's, it's, you know, when I, when I, to look at you, Chad, I mean, since I've known you this, these five years. Yeah. You'd think, oh, this this kid had it all. You know, he had it. He has it together, right? This yeah. this this guy that uh, you know that I know, and 
your story is um, is unique to you, of course, uh, but uh, you know it's it's not uncommon as well. Kids having some struggles uh, growing up, right? And I'd like to dig a little bit deeper and, and talk about maybe some of your time away. And so you said you grew up northern northern BC, Alaska. Rather, yeah, right. Yeah, Edmonton I've lived in there as well. Yeah, I've lived in lots of places. And, and so, what what was that like? I mean, like you mentioned that you were, you know, you jokingly said that you're the only child up in that one area in Alaska. Yeah. And I mean, how does that play into uh, you growing up? Well, that's I. I literally was an only child, and am an only child. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the parent of an only child. I can say one thing: moving from community to community and and being without siblings makes you, you know, adaptive. Um, you know, it was. It was a situation, you know, often where I would go away for summer holidays to one of my grandparents and come back and we'd be in a new part of the city. Mm. Um, So you learn how to, uh, you know, navigate groups, navigate schools, uh, make friends, um, you know, read, read the power dynamics of groups. Uh, You know, it's interesting today because we see kids so deeply entrenched in technology um, where, you know, it's difficult to read to accurately gauge social dynamics. Um, but you know, back in the early seventies, uh, you know, it was sink or swim. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to kind of navigate these groups, you had to be able to go out and, and put your best, best self forward. Um, you know, transitioning between schools is just like moving as an adult. It's, uh, you know, can be traumatizing. You're losing your network. You're losing the familiarity of space and teachers and support. And, and, you know, I think, um, you know, often we underestimate the impact uh, that it means to a kid moving between schools. Yeah. That makes sense. You, you hear that a lot. Some kids can transition mm-hmm. to different schools just fine. Mm-hmm. Others, you're right, they're leaving their whole life behind. And yeah. they're starting from scratch, right? And so there's th- those relationships that they've lost. And do they really want to go and do that again and, and go through that if they have to move again, right? I mean, there's there's that... I guess that cycle, right? Well, there is. And, you know, it's interesting when I'm working with kids out of high school age and I'll say to them, you know, when when was your, your best school experience? And, you know, it's not uncommon for, you know, a 15 or 16-year-old to tell me, you know, it was working with Mrs., you know, whomever or Mr. Whomever, my grade two, three, four teacher at this school. And, and you know, they say it with great nostalgia and fondness as that being a safe and rewarding place. And, you know, it, as a high school educator, you know, we are very forward looking, very finish line focused. And, you know, even post secondary, we're talking about, you know, life after school, but you just cannot underestimate the impact, uh, you know, that elementary communities have on these kids in terms of, you know, psychological, social, emotional grounding. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, that we do see kids that come to us, um, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes they will say that that, that the best, my highlight of my whole educational career was, you know, grade two. And you think, well, you know, we got to be able to make that work better for you, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clearly, you're an educator. I mean, I'm asking questions about you, and then you start peppering in some experiences (laughs) that you've had in your career. And that's, and that's just, again, true testament of how much you just love what you do. Um, I'm going to ask you more questions about you, though. All right. So get prepared here. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) So you said you had some struggles growing up. Uh, You went to a few different schools. Um, So, you know, okay, where'd you graduate from? Uh, Cornell Senior Secondary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what, um, at that point, you've graduated high school. Did you have a plan? Did you know what you were going to do? Well, interestingly enough, I had worked from a very young age. Um, You know, 
I think one of the ways my family thought they'd keep me out of trouble was by making me be gainfully employed. So I, every summer I was working, I worked up in Inuvik for a couple of summers and then nice. was lucky enough to get on at the local um, plywood plant and work there in summers and then work clean up on the weekends. And so, yeah, growing up in a resource town in the interior, I thought, well, this is, this is going to be it for me. Um, and then I started to think a little bit outside the box. Uh, I moved back to Edmonton and, you know, I thought long and hard about trade school and I decided to take a shot at culinary. Mm -hmm. So I went to the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology and got my, my chef's training. Nice. Yeah. And you know, I, I was in some hotels and restaurants and, and did that for a while. And then I actually transitioned from there into healthcare. I worked in the Royal Alexandra hospital and, um, you know, t cooking is a, is a lifestyle too. And, you know, when I, Followed my wife out to Nanaimo. She was a young nurse so coming out here to do her training, her last final preceptorship. Um, I thought, well, I'm going to step away from cooking. Um, strangely enough, that was one of my very first uh, teaching jobs with alternate kids was actually teaching them oh. how to cook. So it kind of had a had a way of coming full circle. But hmm. you know, yeah, I, I I knew that I wanted to be be something. I didn't know what, and you know, and that's one of the things too. We often ask young people, you know, what are you going to do? What do you want to be? And we create an urgency around it. And, and you know, because we're nervous for them, we want to make sure that they can provide for themselves and have a plan. Um, but it's okay for kids not to know. Right. It's okay to be, you know, 14 and, and not have your whole life plan mapped out. If you had told 14-year-old Chad that I was going to be you know, an alternate teacher, I would have, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. You know, the, that was the farthest thing from my mind was that I would be, be working with kids and shaping young minds. Um, yeah. but, but here I am today. Yeah. There you are. Okay. A couple big questions here. Okay. First big one, Oilers or Canucks? Uh, Canucks now for sure. Oilers, <laughs> Good uh, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. I lived, uh, lived right out there. And, you know, even when I moved back to Edmonton, yeah. Um, yeah, I lived right by the Coliseum. I was a huge Oilers fan. I used to see the guys around town all the time. Um, strangely enough, my mom um, ended up working for the Archdiocese in Edmonton. She was an office person, yeah. had been a computer operator, and so she was there uh, at St. Joseph's Cathedral when Wayne Gretzky got married. And I still have a signed <laughs> autograph uh, picture. Jas is, that's on Jasper, isn't on it? On Jasper Ave, yeah. yeah, I, know, yeah. I have a signed autograph picture of my mom, to my mom from Wayne Gretzky. Come and, on. Yeah, yeah. And it says, thank you for all your help, uh, for helping plan the wedding. I love uh, it. I was working downtown there. This is prior to cooking. Uh, I was working at the Hudson's Bay. They used to have a big uh, traveling carpet sale where they have these very, very expensive carpets. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, $15,000 oh, carpets. Geez, and... Yeah. Uh, Janet yeah. Jones and Wayne Gretzky came in and bought a carpet. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He put a $13,000 carpet on his Like nothing. Card. Yeah, right? like nothing. Like yeah, nothing. He was very young. Yeah, and I remember, uh, yeah, he just seemed like a regular guy. It was pretty it is. neat. It is, yeah. My, yeah. my grandparents, actually, when they first immigrated to Canada, first Winnipeg, but then they moved over to Edmonton. Oh, yeah. And my grandfather would walk the West Edmonton Mall um, every day, and the Oilers would practice oh, yeah. in the rink there. Yeah, in the, in the ice, yeah. And um, uh, it wasn't long that uh, he grabbed a puck that uh, went over the, the side, and he got Gretzky to sign it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it is. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's funny, though, because it's a black puck, and he signed it with a black Sharpie. Oh. So you can kind of see, see it, the outline. but it could be anything, yeah, it like, could really, be at some point, right? That's right. But I'm, I'm going to trust my grandpa, right? So yeah. he did that. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for saying that. Connects now. 
Oilers before. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so you you did that. So you've you figured out. So you went to Nate, right? Yeah. You, you you're a chef. Signature dish? Anything? Back in the day, uh, was there well, something? No, I used to do. I used to think I had signature dishes, but really, you know, most of the stuff that I was cooking back in those days seems so pedestrian by today's standards. Okay. We have such a greener menu and palette yes, nowadays. Right. Um, back, back when I was cooking, it was a lot of cheese and breading and deep fry. And, you know, I did work with a, a guy who was a Cajun chef. He literally was from that part of the world. And so he used to share with me some of his recipes that were pretty great. I like spicy food. I like, you know, food any, any world food too. Yeah. I love it. Me too. Me yeah. too. Okay. Let's get into it again. Um, big turning point for you now that, you know, you've done that. You moved to Nanaimo. Uh, your wife's here. Wife's name, by the way? Alisa. Alisa. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's over at... Uh, yeah, she works for Vancouver Island Health Authority. She's actually a coordinator. Nice. I'm a coordinator. She's a coordinator. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. My wife, uh, Lisa, has been very patient with me as a teacher because I am... Uh, I am a long-in-the-tooth teacher who takes a lot of time to do everything. So she keeps our household running okay. while, while I'm busy kind of organizing, you know, all my educational endeavors. She's she's awesome. Oh, that's good to have yeah. that support there. I, I'm yeah. I'm lucky as well. I always I always like to share that with people because I've got somebody who supports me at home. Yeah. Uh, because the job is, the, you know, is very important to us, right? It is. And so they, they, they understand it. Okay, so you are uh, teaching... Did you get into teaching yet now? So you're in Nanaimo now? and Well, yeah. When I first moved to Nanaimo, they only had two degrees that you could do up at VIU, and okay. one was liberal studies and one was education. Oh. And so I actually had considered going into social work, um, and I had a person tell me that, you know, in quite convincing manner that that teaching and social work weren't that far apart. And, you know, it made me really consider kind of, you know, was that something that I could do? Um, you know, I had aunts and uncles that were teachers and, you know, as a teenager, I, I didn't really want to follow in their footsteps, but I was lucky enough. Um, Brent Bush was the principal over at Brecon Elementary and I called him up and I said, can you please let me come by and volunteer a couple of days a week? And he says, absolutely. And so just to get a taste, of, just to get a taste okay. of it. Right. And, you know, I would cur- encourage anybody who is, uh, you know, considering a career in education to do the same. Mm-hmm. It was um, absolutely wonderful. It was a, a, a really great school, um, had super nice kids, um, you know, and I got to spend time with some some little guys, some high energy little guys. <laughs> and nice. after that initial taste, I thought, yeah, this is this is absolutely something I could be passionate about. Um, and then I applied into into VIU that next year. Yeah, just like that. Eh? Just like that. Yeah, that is fantastic. That was Malaspina back in those days. Right. right? Yes, that's yeah. right. And so, and they've come so far now. I mean, you can take so many different Huge. degrees over there yeah, in courses, all, right? All sorts Unreal. of majors and minors. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, first job out of, out of university, out of college. Well, my first job out of university was I actually my wife had taken a position up in Bella Bella Nursing. Um, we were a young couple. They had uh, recruitment and retention bonuses. So I walked over to my neighbor's uh, house because I knew that her parents lived in Bella Bella to ask what, what things I should bring because I knew it was a, you know, kind of a remote community. Yeah. And uh, Pauline Waterfall, uh, whose, whose lady said to me, um, she says, send me your resume. She says, I run the Integrated Study Center up there. And it was just you know, serendipity, the world has a strange way of, of things lining up. I got up there, the school year hadn't started yet. I was working 
um, kind of part time. I was actually working, you know, in, for the RCMP in the jail there, mm. um, just you know, just doing cell stuff and the desk stuff. And then um, I started teaching at the Integrated Study Center in Wagleysla, and Richard Van Camp, the writer, um, was working there as well. And so it was absolutely huge windfall there. And Polly uh, Waterfall and Joanne Green, uh, remarkable leaders, uh, amazing women. And so it was just, I had this wealth of, uh, you know, energy and vision and wisdom that absolutely convinced me that I was on the right path in terms of, you know, career options. Um, Yeah, it was... It was remarkable. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, an amazing community. You know, the people made me feel welcome. Uh, it's culturally rich. Um, and, and I love it even today. I have a student at my school right now who's from there. And, yeah. uh, you know, she's showing me pictures on her, uh, on her phone of their new longhouse. Uh, she just went back for, for the grand opening of it. Oh, nice. And so it's, you know, I have a very special pace. Even though I wasn't there that long, it really did shape the way that I, I thought about education and, and commitment and, and working with First Peoples, for sure. How long were you up there for? Uh, about a year and seven months. Okay. And then yeah. where did you go? And then I came down to Nanaimo. Um, at that time, there there wasn't very much for education jobs here. So I actually mm-hmm. went down. I was working for the Port of Nanaimo as a longshoreman, um, as a wharfinger, actually. And then um, the... The sublist opened up. I got hired onto the sublist as a couple of years in, and then the first job I had that was a temporary was actually teaching at Brandon Lake Prison. Wow. I uh, got to go. Uh, I had to interview. It was I think Scott Saywell and the warden okay. interviewed me, <laughs> and so you know I had some adult education experience, having worked yeah. in Bella Bella with you know some adults, and so. Um, you know, I'll never forget, uh, you know, one of the questions they asked me, they said, if you could say, you know, one defining characteristic about your personality that'll allow you to be able to work with these men, what is it? And, and, and I said, well, it's kindness. And, you know, and I thought, boy, that blew it. I'm not going to get the job. <laughs> but I did get the Clearly, job. Yeah, it yeah. <laughs> but I did get the job. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um, you know, I worked with a lot of different guys, you know, helping them to get their grade 12s hmm. so yeah. they could go on and they could go get jobs and get into trade school and, you know, and feel that sense of closure around high school and, and have some success. And I worked with Jim Heeks there, who's, who's still there, an amazing educator in his own right, um, you know, taught me lots about you know, working with uh, guys with complex histories. Mm. Um, yeah, and then after that, um, my first regular school job uh, was working at the offsite alternate Five Acres, which is down on Harborview Street, and it was uh, with Doug Carr and Tim Davey. And so I, I went to work with kind of 13 to 16-year-olds. Um, you know, they didn't call it Tier 3 back then. It was just a school where you, you sent kids that had intensive behaviors. Okay. Um, but there again, it was just a remarkable experience lee thompson was there and i just love working with veteran veteran ea and and tim had a different vision about how how things should go and mm-hmm. and i was just happy to be along for the ride uh we ended up with a you know an art teacher and a, and a shop teacher and then i did culinary and we had a person doing woodwork and you know that was all part of scott and tim's vision but it, it was really fun to to kind of see that evolve and then i went from there down the street to um 
to the VAST Center. I was the coordinator of the VAST Center on Strickland. And uh, I think at the time we had the largest grad class ever ever out of there and it was you know huge numbers i think it was like in the mid 40s wow um yeah it's good size yeah chuck young and roxanne boyko were there at that mm, time okay. and we, yeah. we set the bar really high we said we were gonna you know break all records and and work with the kids and it was things just lined up perfect we had a really great um group of kind of grade 12 kids that had come in and and we put the pedal to the metal and and we did it yeah it was outstanding how long were you there for uh, two years, I was there until the school closed. It merged over to NDSS in mm. the third year there, and then I went over to NDSS with it um, and spent the year there, um, half a year as a temporary VP, and then and as the site coordinator for VAST there. And then, um, and then I went and took another journey. I went back down to elementary for a couple of years. I uh, went to Rutherford Elementary. My yeah. son was at elementary uh, at that school, and I lived kind of right across the street. And he had always said to me, Dad, I don't think you're ever going to be my teacher. <laughs> and I said, I don't think you're coming to alternate. Um, but I did. I went down there, and, and you know, I had been trained as an elementary teacher, and so I went down there, and, and it was remarkable. Uh, you know, worked with some great teachers, uh, you know, Sierra Thompson and and Kylie Rutherford and, you know, the whole gang down there, we just laughed and, you know, Angela Losh and, you know, younger kids uh, uh, are super high energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, was really good for me too. There's nothing that'll make your game sharper than working with a whole handful of of younger children. And, you know, I I can't say, you know, how much, um, you know, I, I recognize the hard work that happens in elementary. Uh, you know, and, and how important it is to have good culture. And that school had really great culture. You know, I know most of those teachers went on to some of those catchment schools, mm-hmm. so down yep. to Frank Nay, and I think they're mostly all still together. Um, but just, uh, yeah, really, really great. Then I came back up. Now I'm back. I'm the coordinator of the about program over at Woodland Secondary. And, you know, just absolutely a pleasure to, you know, get out of bed and go to work every day. Love working with the kids. And, and last year was a big year. You know, we got to open it. Mm-hmm. Uh, working That's with right. Brett Hancock, you know, Brett and I have worked together for years and he's, you know, just a tremendous leader and, you know, he's a visionary in terms of, you know, working to support kids and families. Um, so when we're talking about stuff, we speak the same language yep. and, you know, I think the kids sense that too. And, uh, you know, he's a flashy dresser, so it's always <laughs> sure good is, too. Yeah. And for yeah. those that don't know, Brett Hancock is a district principal for Learning Alternatives. Yes, he is. So he overlooks all the programs in Learning Alt. Uh, and so then there's there's VAST, there's About, there's there's oh, yeah. a bunch of, bunch of programs. Right. All he great has programs. House of Learning, um, yep. you know, down on the res. He also has, um, you know, the Brandon Lake Prison. Mm-hmm. He has the Carpentry and, and Framing Program, um, the Flow Program that we're, right. runs out of, of Mount Benson. Um, yeah, and of course, um, you know, learning alternatives at John Barsby. Um, yeah, it is a, a very high demand program. It's it's growing. Uh, yeah. You know, we we love it. We love that kids are finding um, you know their own pathways to success. Yeah. Uh, it is it is definitely looking different than even it did a year ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're feeling it, but we're loving it. And you know, he's there with us in the trenches. He was at the school today um, with us. You know, playing volleyball, hanging out with kids, <laughs> troubleshooting, calling families. You know, in his suit, 
In a suit, yeah. yes. Bow tie. He, always wears a bow tie. Always wears a bow tie. Yeah, looking it. smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They call that leading in the field. And so, yeah, he's he is a lead in the field guy, you know, and we love him. Yeah. I try and keep up, but I just can't. I, I can't do it. <laughs> no. No. I don't no. I don't know if anybody can. Uh, clearly, a lot of fabulous things happening at that school. I mean, it did open up and there were um, there were a number of students that, that started when the um, when the program opened up at yeah. Woodlands, right? And mm-hmm. a small number, but now we're talking like how many kids? Like Yeah, we're we're close to a hundred kids for sure. Last year, uh, Matt Kuzminski, wow. uh, another great teacher, yeah. uh, new to alternate came over yeah. was and on, on the podcast before. On the podcast, yeah. yeah. We were told to, you know, try to hit thirty, like, you know, to for the mm-hmm. viability of having that space. If you haven't been there, we get the cafeteria, the stage, and at that time we had half the gym, so not a not a tremendously huge area. Right. Um, but that we needed to, you know, fill it up and, and we did. By kind of, you know, Christmas of last year, we were over 50. And then we were able to get some teachers um, from Learning Alternatives, John Barsby came up. So we had Nick Paddow come up and we had, uh, you know, Val, Val Masterman came up. And, um, you know, we knew that we knew that it was going to be that way. We had kids coming all the time, families inquiring. And now, uh, you know, we have Chuck Young came up from Learning Alternatives, English teacher. We have Steve Holmberg, who's over there just doing tremendous wow. things with music and what technology. Nice. And Amelia Beeling, who's just an outstanding science teacher. Um, and then, of course, Kathy Clapoff, who's our mama EA. She's been <laughs> around for forever, and the yeah. kids absolutely adore her. But, yeah, we are um, hopping. And when you come in the doors there, uh, you know, if you're there around 1130 at, when it's lunchtime, I, it is a crush of kids. It's good energy. It feels good. The kids feel the love. Um, parents are always welcome. We had an open door policy at our school, so it's not uncommon to see parents come in and touch base with teachers or come in and touch base with their kids. Yeah. Um, it really is, uh, we call it more than school. Right. And so the idea is, is that we're building a culture of, of inclusivity and family. Okay, so typically yeah. what uh, what type of student would you have at, at your school? Uh, you know, it's such a rainbow. Um, we have a lot of kids that have had, you know, negative school experiences in the past, um, you know, and it can be either perceived or, or because of moves we were talking about. Mm-hmm. It could be, um, you know, something where it's a byproduct of a mental health condition. Um, so... There, there would have been a time if you roll back the clocks kind of 20 years ago and you said you were an alternate kid, you you know, you were a, probably a kid who got in trouble. Maybe you're a fighter or skipper mm-hmm. outer. Right. Uh, but what we see now is kind of like, you know, some kids coming to us for credit recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to catch up on their courses so that they can graduate. Uh, we have some kids who, you know, they're working to help support their families. So they need a much more flexible schedule than perhaps they can get in the regular mainstream school. Um, we do have some kids with, you know, complex uh, issues that they're working through. Um, and, you know, of course, we have child and youth care worker on site. We have uh, Michelle Crawl and Michelle Gagnon and Judy LaRocque mm-hmm. uh, will come by and help support those kids too. Um, but it really is, there is no defining characteristic of what constitutes an alternate kid. Okay. Um, they're, they're as broad and, and varied as you can imagine. Um, and I think that's actually what makes our, our culture so welcoming, um, is our diversity. Like, you know, we yes, are stronger for that. Yeah. Yes. Our differences make us stronger. Yep. Um, and you know, and, and that is kind of one of our only hard and fast rules at our school is that, you know, you, you cannot be a hater. You have to, you know, 
be decent to each other mm-hmm. and you know and and we we're really lucky our kids are generally quite gentle with each other they and, are i've yeah. been a few times yeah. and i mean i go in there they're they're smiling they're happy they're playing volleyball uh you know you got the pool table back oh, there yeah. too foosball uh but everyone's learning too and i and i see mm-hmm. people sitting at the desks and and like I go in there, I feel welcome. Yes. I mean, by by everyone, right? And the kids are great. Uh, it's a fabulous program, and 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 that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you here today because um, this is part of the reason or the reason why that you've just recently won an award, something that you should be very proud of. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, not an Academy Award like I mentioned, <laughs> uh, but something that uh, an educator in the province of BC. I mean, this is the the highest level of achievement you can get, I would say, right? Yeah. Uh, so what yeah. was it? What was the award that you received? Uh, it's the Premier's um, Teaching Award of Excellence mm-hmm. um, for Social Equity and Diversity. Congratulations! And so, yeah, it was a it was absolutely um, tremendous honor. Of course, um, you know Brett was nominated as well for leadership, and right. you yep. know it didn't surprise me at all um, mm-hmm. that he was nominated. It was uh, it was you know kind of I know there's so many great teachers out there in this community that are you know, day in and day out, they're actually, they're, they're overshooting mm-hmm. all expectations yep. and, you know, and, yes. and they don't always go noticed. And so, you know, if you're, if your kid has a great teacher, let them know if, you know, if you have a great teacher, let them know. Yeah. Um, the award is, is, you know, absolutely, um, you know, one of the high points of my career for sure. Uh, it, I came back and told, told the kids that I won the award because of them. And it, and it really is a byproduct of working where I am. And, and, you know, I can do things that, you know, maybe mainstream teachers can't do as easily just because of the nature of my, my educational structure. But it was amazing. It was down in, in Government House in Victoria. Yeah. There was a huge right. crew, you know, from up here. Uh, you know, we're right in the front table. Oh. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. They, they do do it like the Academy Awards. They, <laughs> they go up with the, they, they show three videos and yes. then and then they pull out an envelope and then they announce your name. Jeez. And so, yeah, it was it was absolutely fantastic. We all went nuts and jumped up and <laughs> Brett Hancock kissed me right on the head. And, you know, uh, and then I went up and it That's was very surprising. surreal. You know, it's, um, it's, it is, um, you know, really... Uh, one of those things, um, when you see kind of the room full of these veteran educators and, you know, and support staff too, yep. and leaders, um, and you're watching their videos, you realize, you know, how deep the commitment runs in this province mm-hmm. towards like just supporting really quality education. And so even to be included amongst amongst those those people, I felt very humbled. Yeah, and, it, yeah, it is. I mean, a shout out to all the teachers. Clearly, I mean, you you do every day come in and, and you're teaching the kids and you're you're getting them ready for the future, right? Uh, to be nominated, though, I mean, that's a big thing to be nominated for one of these premieres awards. Yeah, uh, and then of course to be a finalist. I mean, come on, right? I mean, there's the there's yeah. just next, uh, you know, the next step. But of course, winning that's that's the big one right there. That was crazy. Yeah, I it bet was it was so fun. Right, John Horgan, big guy. He looks like he's yeah, a tall he's guy. a big guy. He's a big lacrosse fan, and oh, really? you know, I'm a lacrosse guy too. Well, my <laughs> okay. son is, and my son Ryan plays lacrosse here, and so, you know, I uh, I am kind of the door coach and help out. Um, but I was given a bad time about being a Shamrocks fan, and you know, tried <laughs> tried to see if I could get him to. To wear a T-Mint's jersey, but there was no buying in. But, yeah, it was really, it was a neat experience. Um, You know, I I had been in that room many years ago. My father had won the Order of BC for some of the work that he did on the downtown east side. So there was a 
a real nostalgic feel to it with with uh, my wife was there too when that happened and so yeah it felt felt really um surreal and Mm -hmm. and marvelous and thrilling and you know i got to spend some time with uh some of our district leadership here too and so that was great um you know there there are so many great wonderful educators out there if you you know if you know one and if and if they're and if they're you know really going above and beyond then you know throw throw their name in the ring it's it's uh you know it really is uh you know, there's 110 nominees, they said, I think. And so, you know, that's that's not a huge pool, but it's a big enough pool. Right. And I, I, you'll, the very worst thing that'll happen, which is so fun, is they come to your school and they make a video of you <laughs> and they follow you Saw around with a bunch a of kids. Video. And that was so fun just doing that with the kids. And in fact, it was it was interesting because the kids were already out of school. Oh, okay. So I actually called a bunch <laughs> of kids back. They came back to school to kind of hang out and, and, you know, and do stuff. <laughs> But just absolutely a thrill with those guys. Had a blast with the film okay. crew and we'll, stuff. We'll throw a link in the uh, to the video in in the uh, uh, description for the for the podcast. So outside of the classroom, your coaching. What else do you like to to do? Oh, you know, spend time with my family. I'm an avid reader. Um, you know, I I like doing video and editing and stuff like that too. Sure and, do. You know, I mountain bike. I'm not that great of a mountain biker. <laughs> I just broke my ribs there at the end of the summer. Oh no! Um, yeah, ouch. You know, yeah. Spending time with my family is really important to me. Um, you know, I still like to chef it up once in a while. And nice. you know, it, if you have kids in sports, your your weekends are spoken for. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I got a I got a grade nine boy, and he's just you know, rolling right from hockey into lacrosse and, and, you know, and I cherish these moments too, cause he's in at that age, he's only going to be this age mm-hmm. once. And yeah. so, you know, I, I always try to get in there and kind of help out where I can and, you know, just, just staying active, try to get out. I got a dog who's always looking for a walk. So, you know, that kind of keeps me going too. Um, you. But, you know, in terms of, of kind of doing things, you know, this is the thing is that, you know, education does become your passion. Um, I try to, bring some of my educational passions and real life passions together so it's not uncommon to come into uh, my school and see me painting acrylics with the kids I love painting and so um, you know social justice we'll do a lot of like big group art projects and things like that yeah you do some great things over there yeah we try to kind of blend stuff up keep it fresh keep it fresh exactly Uh, and and it's fresh you're a fresh person to come in here I'm I'm trying to segue into this (laughs) I mean it's it's exciting you've got this energy you've got um, you you know this joie de vivre right which is you you come in here and you clearly you clearly care for the kids I mean this is not just a job for you because I mean you're winning awards but you you talk it you live it I mean this is this is you and and I mean I can vouch for you by saying all of this on on the podcast because uh, uh, I mean you've always been well Welcoming for one, and and that's just me coming into your school. But I can't imagine mm-hmm. what it's like for these kids who, um, I'll just say that maybe they felt like they just did not have any other choices. This was their last chance at school, uh, and they have somebody like you to be there with them. And uh, you know, I applaud you. Your team over there is fantastic. You're doing a great job. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fresh. It's always different and changing. And so you know, this is this is the the kind of thing I'd like to say if you're a mainstream teacher and you've never um, been an alternate and you get an opportunity to don't be afraid to jump in there Um, you know you don't have to have a colored past or you know checkered schooled experience to get in there and try it it's uh, it is helping kids one day at a time and it's meeting them where they're at and you know and it's it's just responding to them in a way that you know allows them to improve their life chances right 
And so, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, when we're working with these kids and we're, we're teaching, um, just have to be humble with yourself and, you know, recognize that, you know, you may be that the most positive person that they've encountered that day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just understand that, you know, be gentle with them, be kind. That's right. Good words. Great words. You keep being you. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Dale. <laughs> I appreciate you coming down on the podcast. You have yourself a great day. Yeah, you too. Take care.